The room is relationships. The room is you and me and everyone in America. What are you talking about? Uh, the room is different cookie cutter mm -hmm. from Hollywood. Yeah, man, you never know. People are very strange these days. What's going on? Welcome to The Room Minute. The podcast where we get obsessed with the cinematic classic, The Room. One minute at a time. You have no idea what kind of trouble you're in here, do you? Why are you so hysterical? We always wanted people actually talk about it. I did not hit her. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. Oh, hi, listeners. For the last time. We're here to talk about minute 99 and like, I think it's like 30 seconds beyond that of the room in which really we need a bigger, badder, more tragic song over these credits. I don't think You're My Rose works. What are we, what are we thinking? I'm trying to think of big dramatic songs and I've got. I don't know, like Titanic, you know? Mm. This heart doesn't go on. <laughs> because well, Lisa's will. But the movie's centered around. Tommy, True, not story. The, the Titanic made sense because it's the old lady's heart that continues to go on. It should be a country song. A country song, okay. Yeah, it's like it was so. Like, over the wrong. credits, over the credits, we get. If it hadn't been for Cotton Eye Joe, I'd have been married a long time ago. <laughs> a tragic one. <laughs> I love Cotton Eye Joe way more than I should. <laughs> By the way. Oh, hi, Johan. Oh, hi, Luke. Oh, hi, Ellen. Hello. Oh, hi, Robin. Invited all my friends. But, <laughs> great thinking. Good thinking. They didn't come. <laughs> Everybody betray me. I don't have a friend in the world. Some of them so did. Start with us. Yeah. According to Ross Morin, in the room is undeniably one of the most important films of all time. Like Citizen Kane, the room will be taught, studied, written about, enjoyed, obsessed over, and fetishized for years to come. Just not by us. I added that line. <laughs> it fails everywhere that good cinema succeeds, and in astonishing ways, even my students, when challenged to try to write a bad screenplay, are unable to come anywhere close to the level of failure achieved by The Room. The Room is masterfully wrong. Yeah, no one could ever make a movie like The Room, and that is what's so incredible. No, what is wonderful is that so many people can make movies like The Room, and I watch them all the time. Okay, all right. <laughs> End of my I I'm done now, I'm leaving. <laughs> I thought this was special. <laughs> It's, it's, no, no, it's not special. <laughs> I I think there is, we've talked about this many times in the show, but there's something normal about this movie. Like the plot is really basic. Yeah. And so for a little, for a low budget, like bad movie, That's it surprising. is more watchable than a lot of them. And then it got, it got fame. Yeah. I think what angers this is what angers me about most movies that I find bad. Which is when they show that they genuinely have good potential to go somewhere and then avoid it, it's so much worse than a movie that never had any potential. I agree. Yeah. I agree with that. Like there are elements of some of the some of the shots in this where I, I'm not sure whether it's the film shots or the digital shots, but they keep obviously cutting between the two. Some of the shots in this I think sometimes, Wow, that's a really good shot or some of the storylines I think, Oh, that's great. And it, that it has such a great premise and such potential that when you see that being wasted you realize that, especially if the film becomes successful, no one can do that again without being called a ripoff of the original worst version. Yeah. Like, if someone tried to tell the same story as The Room but make it good, it would always be compared to The Room. Mm -hmm. And so the idea that they've wasted that potential is really annoying, in a way. Hmm. I get that. 
Now, does anyone have any more notes on the credits? Because I have one last one. I have three. Okay. I'll go through them in chronological order, if you like. Yeah. Mine's at the end, so. So, first of all, there's the, the I've got the craft service. Yeah. Which I just love the fact that it's just LA and San Francisco fast food. Yes. And I, I enjoyed that. I thought that That's was, what they eat on set. Yeah. And the fact that that's when you can tell that he was just trying to fill the credits. <laughs> right. I'm just... imagining someone's typing this in, says to Tommy, like, craft service. He's like, what's that? It's what you ate on set. Oh, that was fast food. So they put it in there. And I think the way in which putting it as LA and SF fast food is you, when it kind of skims past, it feels almost like a company name, mm-hmm. like in a, in a weird way. Yep. <laughs> My next two notes are very similar. Light post productions could definitely have done a better job at ADR, is, is one of my notes. And then that's followed with dialogue editor. They had one of those. Richard Zimmerman. Yes. And that's yeah, that's that's the extent of my, my notes. <laughs> yeah, someone was someone actually recorded the sound and someone put it and in there. Thought it was good enough to use. <laughs> yes. Or Tommy thought it was good enough to use and told them don't change it. Yeah, and they did the best they could with what they had. Mm. Well, I, I love the fact that because of how much was ADR'd. Tommy heard the audio that was on set, thought, I didn't deliver that line good enough. I'm going to go and deliver it again. So he acknowledged that he needed to make this as good as he can and still came out with the worst deliveries you ever heard. Yes. That takes skill. Yep. It was a bit awful, to be fair. Not skill (laughs) that you need at any point in life, but that does take skill. Right. But I guess it's quite difficult to match up. Yeah, probably. (laughs) I match up audio on podcast things and that takes some little bit of effort when you have a lot of it mm. so videos can be even harder yeah yeah i remember taking ages in a shot in unstable in one of the shots i had to cut to the long shot whilst one of the lines being delivered using the audio of the master shot and that took forever to make it match up to look <laughs> vaguely like they were saying the right thing so i understand how painful adr would be but i still think they could have done a better job yeah my new favorite credit is i think right at the end Right near the end. The producers and director of The Room thank all residents of San Francisco, Los Angeles, and Hollywood areas for directly or indirectly supporting this project. So, as someone who lived in L.A., I was just thanked. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Hey, you got a movie cred. You might as well put that on IMDb. I'm, pu- I'm putting it Listen in there. thanked by Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> Uncredited thanks. Yeah, listen, th- thanks uncredited, yeah. Oh, yeah, that you definitely should do that. But I, I acknowledge that, but I, I realized that, like, I'd never, I never, I never was sure as to whether willingly or unwillingly is a thing that they normally put, but I thought it was weird. <laughs> it, not willingly or unwillingly, directly or indirectly. Directly or indirectly. Well, well that too, but willingly or unwillingly feels... You, you existed, so this city was here. Yeah. I wonder if, like, people <laughs> took it as a threat that they were, like, credited for this film. Any other notes on the minute or the movie? Not really. But I will say, like, every time that I've kind of crapped on this movie, I really do still like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. it's just very hard to introduce this film to anybody. Yeah. I'd agree. Yeah. I, I think experience from last night proved that definitely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is Friday. It's Friday, Friday. I know it. It all sounds like some bad movie. So we talk about bad movies of the week. I will post a list online of all the bad movies of the week we've had up till now. It's been quite a few of them. Yeah. And now we have new ones to add. Luke, I know you have one. Yeah. Do you want me to go first? or Yes. Who else has brought one? <laughs> um, I brought one. I got one. I got one. Oh, good. 
so mine is bad in a way I've none of the films I've discussed have ever been bad. So my movie is the pure flicks movie, God's Not Dead. My, 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 my faith's come up on the show before, but I have an issue with a lot of Christian media in the ways in which it represents Christianity. Some of it gets it right, but most Christian movies are cheesy and failed attempts at evangelism that it angers me, as I said, most bad movies do when they show potential to do something and then miss it. And God's Not Dead is very much one of those. No, no disrespect against the filmmakers, obviously. Like, they, they had an aim, and I hope it succeeded in that aim among some people. But what is basically the film equivalent of a playground debate between an atheist and a Christian, where they go, God's real, or oh, if God's real, who made God? And then they, they, it's, it's those questions, and that's the, the, the movie. It's the, the rough premise of a guy who is a philosophy teacher who makes all of his students agree that God does not exist and that God is dead except one student who says, no, I'm not going to write that. And so he says, right, you have to persuade the class that God's not dead. And as a premise for a film, I'm like, okay, I'm in, I'm invested. What follows is the all the Christian characters in the movie having no character flaws whatsoever, and all the atheist characters in the movie being the worst people you've ever seen in anything ever. <laughs> Which is, as an evangelism technique, awful. Because the issue with Christian movies is something that I've been very, very passionate about for a long time. I did a lot of research this week around why it doesn't work. And what I found is, I don't know whether in America, you're probably more, are you familiar with Newsboys, the band? Mm -hmm. Heard of, Christian pop band. Yeah, I, I heard of them and that was it. But they did a song, apparently, that was in God's Not Dead. And they, as a band, as far as I'm aware, are both secular music and religious music together. So take this from the Christian perspective of you've got a Christian coming along and bringing their agnostic or atheist friend along to this concert with the hope of maybe introducing them to the faith. And they go and play the song from God's Not Dead. But before they do that, they say, let's show a couple of clips from the film. And as they show the clips from the film, whenever the Christian's on screen, the audience cheer. Whenever the atheist is on screen, the audience boo so much that you're the atheist friend that this suppose you know, if this, this hypothetical atheist friend that's been brought along who suddenly thinks maybe there's something in this, is in a group full of people who are supposed to not be judgmental, <laughs> being told that everything that they've been brought up with believing is wrong and all that's evil in the world. And that, I think, the damage that could do to people's faith is so much worse than the help it could do to others. And that that's what angers me. So it's a bad movie for a very different reason. But I think the main reason in which the Christian movies I like work are because the people of faith and the people not of faith are both characters with flaws and good sides. So I can, to see good Christian movies, I recommend Heaven is for Real, Miracles from Heaven, and the Gerard Butler movie Machine Gun Preacher. <laughs> Those are, yeah, that's my very serious bad movie of the week. I hope that's okay. <laughs> I'm kind of interested uh, in Machine Gun Preacher all of a sudden, though. Yeah, I've only seen that the once, so I may be completely wrong. But I, <laughs> I, remember really, I remember really enjoying it because it also... Christian movies also have a tendency, I understand why, to hide away from acknowledging that violence, drug use, and bad language are parts of the real world. Mm. But what you end up with is not being able to take the film seriously because it's in this kind of ideological world of Hallmark movies and kids' films um, that you can't take it seriously and take the message out of it. Machine Gun Preacher is, in the UK, rated 15 for strong language, violence, threat, and gory injury detail. Which to me, even just going into it, went, this feels like the real world, because the real world does have those things. And I think all of those good ones I mentioned are based on true stories, whereas God's Not Dead is not.
but yeah, the, that's that's my very serious bad movie of the week, and I hope that came across okay. Yeah. My film isn't exactly awful. Well, okay, it's pretty bad, but I really enjoy it. Yeah. So does this count? Well, yeah. We've had movies that I insisted were good movies that people brought up, so it's fine. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's it's a bit of a strange film, but it's called The To-Do List, if you've heard of it. That sounds familiar. Yeah. But basically, it's about this girl who is actually Aubrey Plaza, and she goes on this journey of kind of growing up, I guess. Um, oh, sexually. yeah, I remember and it's just hearing funny. about that movie. It's a, it's a strange concept, but it is, it's so funny and so awkward to watch, which is why it's so funny to me. And I just, I love watching it. It's also got Andy Samberg in a bit. He's a bit of a feature. I'm just looking through the cast and cool, thinking... And I really like his yeah, I'm looking through the cast. Yeah, Bill Hader is in there. Ronald Glover, Christopher Mintz Plaz. Yeah. It's a, it's a yeah. really, it's a really good cast. Yeah. Um, as Willie, it, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's an interesting watch, and I think that's something. I'd... Apparently, it was on my watch list on IMDb, but I've never watched oh. it. Is it on your watch list because of Aubrey Plaza? <laughs> maybe, or maybe I saw a trailer for it. I don't remember. It's a pretty entertaining film, and if you've got like the time to spare, hundred percent, go and watch that film. I'm, I'm assuming it's kind of the same sort of shut your brain off, kind of enjoy it, acknowledge it's bad, but have fun. It's, it, yeah, it's just it's just movie. a film that you sit down late at night and just enjoy. Like it just just switch off and just kind of. Just laugh at the stupid comments hmm. and laugh at okay. how stupid it is. No, you leave stupid comments in your pocket. <laughs> I was waiting for that. <laughs> <laughs> With your stupid comments in your pocket. Then that, that's pretty much it. That's all I have to say about it, really. Just go and watch it if you haven't already seen it. Okay. All right. Yeah. So normally I try and have a theme of what I'm like a bad movie because I've been here too many times already. <laughs> the theme for this one is a bad movie that couldn't be saved by reboots, remakes, or a good budget because hmm. that's something that we brought up last time had this had an opportunity for a rewrite would it be better and it's fantastic Four. which one all of them <laughs> because there's the original one that came out in the 90s where it's literally the guy made this movie so that he could have the copyright uh-huh. to the movies so he got paid handsomely to make the ones that came out with jessica alba yeah then there's the recent reboot although that one they made not to be released is maybe the better of the Fantastic Four movies. Which is saying something. Yeah. But that's why, like, none of them have ever been uniquely good. Even though, like, they had Silver Surfer to try and make it good. They had Doug Jones to be a Silver Surfer, who's a mm-hmm. fantastic actor. Yeah. But then it all came crashing down with the Galactus. Yep. So mm-hmm. that's why I think, like, this one's just my bad movie because it could not be redeemed with a better budget, the first one, a sequel to mm-hmm. try and make a correction of mistakes in the first one or a reboot which they've so, already done and yes. they're going to do again yep so that's why this one's my bad movie just fantastic for because it doesn't seem like they can ever make it good i agree do you think there's a unique reason because they've made superhero movies i think a lot of it had to do with the production company because of that one guy that owned the rights because since it wasn't able to be sold by marvel yeah. it just got sold to the highest bidder who wanted to make a comic book movie i think that's part of the problem because then the second one was Sony, mm-hmm. right? So there's there is actually theories that perhaps X, well X Men probably will come into Marvel because of One Division. Yeah. If you haven't seen that, yes, yes, yes there is. <laughs> but that was, that was already in talks before. Oh yeah, but... yeah, I know. Aren't they trying? Well, do you reckon they'll introduce Fantastic Four? I mean, hopefully not. They've already sort of cast part of oh, it. Okay. I believe. Yeah, for the recent reboot, because it took so long and they're under a deadline with Marvel Studios, where they have to make a movie of it. 
to keep the mm-hmm. the license current. Like you can't just let it sit in the back burner. Yeah. Because it got delayed with production hell and all that. They gave up Ghost Rider, which is why he showed up in the Shield oh, okay. TV series. Okay. Interesting. So there's always problems with it. It it's in production hell. I kind of hope they don't though. I kind of hope they leave it out. Yeah. They don't know what to do with the Fantastic yeah. Four, like when it comes down to it. It should be like simple in a way because there's the four of them. You don't have to rewrite how the four of them got no. together. So you have yeah. the origin down. Yeah. I think the, the problem is they want superhero movies to be more exciting. Fantastic Four, I think a good movie of them would not be action oriented because it should involve more of the, like the science side for Mr. Fantastic. And it's a family drama, which the most recent one, I think, kind of tried to do that, but didn't do it very well. I think, like you said, they've remade them so many times. You know the plots, you know what's going to happen, so they can't recast it again as a different storyline, as like a second film. That's just not how, I don't think they're they're not going to be able to do that. Yeah, I I also don't know why they don't just introduce, like, Ben Grimm is Jewish, Mm. and he was part of that Yancey street group and all that, and why they don't talk about that at all, because he's basically the the golem, like the Jewish golem, where you put like the prayer in the mouth. Yeah, like they don't introduce anything like that to give him some depth. Okay. That'd be interesting. So the fact that Reed Richards is not the best husband, mm-hmm. the only one that's actually had depth was Johnny Storm, but he, he's just very shallow and that's as deep as he goes, which is an oxymoron. As far as a villain goes, like Dr. Doom, they really could have explored the fact that he believes that he can fix the world mm-hmm. and he starts with his own little country. Yeah. Which they might be able to manage now. They sort of did with Killmonger in Black Panther. Yeah. My bad movie for this week is Neil Breen for the third time. (laughs) This time, I actually should have gone with his earlier one because I forgot how boring Twisted Pear is. And it's Neil Breen starring as identical twins who had a dog when they were kids because the stock footage he bought had a dog in it, I'm pretty sure. But they get somehow abducted by someone, like aliens, it's implied, and turned into ai humanoids and i saw a theory online that neil breen doesn't know what the word humanoid means he <laughs> thinks it's android by this point neil breen knew he's bad right no oh. no not only is this his fifth film he has a documentary out where he has behind the scenes footage and like interview things where he's talking about his filmmaking and choices he made and all this other stuff he thinks he's what's good. a good starting point for neil breen because i've been meaning to watch it double down is probably the most watchable Twisted Pair is boring. It repeats shots. It is mostly told through voiceover because they didn't record a lot of dialogue. And I realized as I'm watching it, one of the best things is if I had the time, I could make whatever movie I wanted to out of it because I just got to change all the voiceover. Give it a plot or something. Brilliant. And so you mentioned before about it kind of being, or at least with Shimmy's other stuff being kind of archived footage stuff. Is, Is that his filmmaking? Stock footage and archive? He uses a lot of stock footage, yeah. And except for Pass Through, he also apparently bought a drone recently, so there's a lot of aerial footage as well. He also uses stock photos as backdrops, Ooh. which is oh, not no. a good one, because he walks into a plane and he's smaller than all the chairs <laughs> before he sits down in one. And he, and he talks, I watched a introduction he did for the video, the DVD, I think, of, of this, where he's talking really like his real self not acting and he talks like someone who doesn't know sentences they're supposed to flow together he pauses between words and pauses in weird places and it, before i even watched him talking there's a scene in twisted pair where he is talking to himself it's two different pieces of footage of him as Cade, him as kale 
So one of me has a really bad fake mustache and beard oh. talking to each other. And it's still edited so that there's awkward pauses between their lines. Mm. It's two different pieces of footage. He could have edited it as smoothly as he wanted and made it into something more normal. But I think he thinks that's normal. I knew it was you. Kale. Why haven't you contacted me? We're different. No, I'm different. I don't have what you have. But you could have. At one time. But you threw it away. You let it go. Or it was taken from me. My my description for Neil Breen is essentially he's Tommy was so if no one ever laughed at a screening, mm. and he was really into weird politics and science that is outdated and afraid of everything technological. Because his movies are like him having a messiah complex in different ways where he's going to save the world from, in this case, AI taking over. Hmm. It's ridiculous. Anything else to say about bad movies or the room specifically? It. It does take a lot to have the realization that something you've made is bad, I think. Mm -hmm. When you've invested so much love and time into it, I've had that with a couple of my previous projects, where in hindsight I've gone, that was awful. And it took a lot to get to that stage. And it's quite upsetting when you think of how much time, and when you go back, especially say through like social media posts that you had a couple of years ago, or however long ago when you're doing stuff, and you realize how much love and passion went into something, to then just have it as the butt of a joke is a lot to go through. Mm -hmm. So outside of everything we've said about Tommy Wiseau, I have a lot of respect for the fact that he's had to live with that, and he's allowed that to happen. But I think also you've got to make a bad film to get a good film yeah. afterwards. We're just so, waiting for the good film. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're just still waiting. Yeah. <laughs> I think bad movies is kind of like having a favorite, like non-popular potato chip. Mm. Like, you know, like the dill pickle one. You know, you don't expect it to be actually good, but you like it. But then it's not going to be the same for everybody else. And that's kind of like the aspect of it is when you watch a good movie, that's kind of like your barbecue flavored or whatnot in ranch. But then sometimes you have this one weird flavored chip that you particularly enjoy and it turns out other people like it. It just seems a little bit more special when a bad movie is liked mm. for that specific reason. Yeah, It's not supposed to be good. It doesn't sound good. But for some reason, you and a lot of people enjoy yeah. it. So there's obviously a place for it. And you shouldn't go the way I do is seek all of them out. Seek out the ones that other people like. <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't eat all the bad <laughs> or like all the weird sounding chips. Yeah. I think to have a love of watching bad movies, which is a great thing, I think you still need to balance it out with a love for cinema in itself before you just become a very cynical person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hence, I know, Robert, that you talk so much about movies that you love, which is why doing the Room Minute and Mandy Sucks Minute does doesn't make you a kind of horrible cynical person yeah. because you've expressed what you love i think if your first mxm show was mandy sucks and you dedicated so much time to talking about how much you hate mandy and that was all anyone ever knew of you then i would imagine that it would be quite tough to have kind of a positive outlook on everything mm -hmm. yeah so uh, i guess plugs 
Ellen? You can go and follow the at love Rosie pod. Um, and my username is actually tagged in the bio of that. So you can check that out if you want. And that's about it. Luke? Maybe we'll be started by now. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we would have started. We We haven't started just yet, but when this comes out, yeah, it'll probably would have started. But yeah, Love Rosie, great movie, which not many people have seen. So there we go. Sorry, I just dragged myself into your plugs then. I'll shut up. No, just add lukeallen.co.uk and you're done. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I don't need to do all of my plugs. They're all on lukeallen.co.uk. Yeah. <laughs> Except Podchaser. Add me on Podchaser. I... Yeah, there you go. And Johan? You guys can find me on past projects like ID4 Minute, which is about Independence Day, and Roughneck Minute, which was about Starship Troopers. Now, I would like to end this show, I'd say it's had ups and downs from the cursed first week of episodes, which took us two months to record because we had so many technical problems and scheduling issues, to what was supposed to be a brief hiatus for me last year, but ended up being we only put three episodes out all year. It's been hilarious. (laughs) It has been painful. (laughs) On behalf of Allison, who also couldn't make it today because of a last minute emergency, I hope it has been the same for everyone listening now or sometime in the future, just like The Room, hilarious and painful. So it's nothing wrong when people make fun of the project, in this case, The Room. The Room Minute is a production of Lemming Drops Studio. You can find more content at lemmingdrops.com. Follow The Room Minute on all the obvious social media. If you've got any stupid comments after the show, you can leave them in your pocket on Facebook. If you like what you hear, throw us a rating and a review on your podcatcher of choice. Thank you for listening. And remember, if a lot of people loved each other, the world would be a better place to live. Leave us!